FBI Studios. This is Truth and Justice, a crowdsourced investigation in real time. I'm Bob Rock. Ahoy, friends. Once again, I am back from assignment, and you are listening to the Friday Follow-Up for Season 12, Episode 43, Christian's Second Interview. As we continue to explore the case against Robert and Christian, it has led us to our second police interview of Christian, which took place four months after the original. I'm joined by Bob and Janet, and right after a quick break, we're going to dive into all your listener questions here on Truth and Justice. Texas Ranger James Holland is a legendary interrogator. They call him the serial killer whisperer. You can't hide those indications, and that's why yesterday I knew that you did it. But now, shocking interrogation tapes reveal how the super cop really operates. And that's why they asked me to come in, because I'm special. From something else, The Marshall Project and Sony Music Entertainment, this is Smokescreen. Just say you're sorry. Listen and follow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Amazon Music, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. As you just heard, we have uh, Zach back in the studio today. He's he's back from his assignment, uh, and you can hear all about it on the Patreon. We don't have much time for nonsense today because I have uh, my son, my oldest boy, is getting his senior pictures taken today, and I'm going with him. And so uh, I've got a hard out in 45 minutes. Uh, that being said, I want to very quickly, do either of you guys have any any first thoughts on hearing Christian's follow-up interview? I do not have much. It was extremely hard to hear for me. I mean, I tried my best. You know, there was a few times where you could hear him kind of explaining where they were going. But other than that, it wasn't anything overwhelming to me. I'm just leaning towards a lot that LeClaire just wasn't a good, you know, I've like made it something like, oh, well, he clearly didn't think that they were involved or he would have done this or he thought this. Mm -hmm. And I'm thinking, I think he just wasn't great at his job. Like he's never listening for information ever. Mm. And there were like, He's like, so what'd you do that night? And Christian starts talking and and he's like starting to lay things out and then he interrupts him and then he and then starts having a side conversation. And then and why, when you know you're recording interviews, does he constantly want to be outside next to a busy road? <laughs> I mean, listen, they're crazy. doing their best. The important thing is he takes a lot of notes. Oh, snap. He doesn't <laughs> take any notes. Uh, if memory serves. Yeah. Right. Yeah, he says that he did the entire case with two pages yeah. of notes. Okay, yeah. um, I feel like sometimes he's on to stuff, and I every once in a while I'll be I'll re-listen to an interview and be like, "Oh, good question," but then it doesn't necessarily get followed up on. Okay, so my opinion was this is not going to shock anyone. I still felt like it seemed my favorite word to use about the teenagers and their interviews totally guileless um i thought there was some interesting info about just coming the perspective of his dad and kind of his dad's experience with lie detectors i thought was really interesting like it was Mm -hmm. interesting to actually hear that there was a family member who had had a bad experience with a lie detector because that's like the most justification i can imagine for being like i don't want my kid to take a lie detector like i definitely don't trust them or whatever i did want to ask you did had leclerc already pulled robert's phone records by this point, because it seems like he's trying to get at something he already knows or suspects about the phones. And 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 I just was wondering if you knew the answer to that. I, I, I wish I did. I did at one point. Um, maybe Zach could find that in the case documents. I don't know even where to look. It would be one of the episodes where we talk about the phone records. Because right as we were walking into the room today, I saw somebody on Facebook ask that question. And it's a good question. And I was like, I don't remember when. 
They got yeah. because because my understand I, I believe that Christian's dad did like give them permission to get the phone record. So maybe they had Roberts and they didn't have Christians. Yeah. I'm 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 not sure about it. You know, in in part of like Leclerc does. First of all, I want to point out like 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 a couple of people had made um somebody who is very active on the fan page and and I love he he has kind of a contrarian viewpoint to me on a lot of things, mm-hmm. but is very well thought out and is and is very good at communicating his points. Um, shout out to Ed Logan. I knew you were um, gonna say Ed. He's yeah. he's great. Yeah, yeah, Ed's great. And, and then one of I think it was Ed that made the post, but like some people are like I, it was Ed. I think he, where he was like comparing. Christian's like first interview to his second interview and or and and then like the second interview to the phone records mm. and and it was a great analysis but but for me my my only thing is I don't it was too many months later and right. and, and and I'm sure be, like there are the people that will be like well you're just giving a pass to them because you think they're I'm not you've heard me say this for season after season whether people are guilty or innocent like those kind of details particularly if someone if it wasn't a significant night for them because they right. weren't involved in the crime, right. those details are going to get mixed up. And like Christian, he was at the beginning, he's like, well, my, my memory would have been better yeah. back then. Yeah. Um, that being said, even on the even in his first interview, Ed, and look for his post if you're on the fan page because he I can't remember it off the top of my head. But there were, there were some conflicts where he says like, you know, we were at home ignoring Becky's calls and like the time doesn't work for that. Like they couldn't have been home yet. By oh, that he time. said that in the first interview? Christian did? I think so. I have to look at Ed's post, but okay. um, my point here is just that when you're looking at very specifics about like timing, when someone's being interviewed three yeah. months later you know, or three and a half, almost four months later, I just wouldn't put too much weight into that. I also just felt like he was, he was so like, uh, I don't know. Like I didn't feel like he was trying to stick to something he had said before. It felt like he just had no, he was like, I I probably would have. I mean, it reminded me a little bit of uh, Corey's interview, but Corey's interview happened like a couple, a few days after yeah. the, the, the the night in question where he was like, I probably would have done this. I probably would have done this. Where it was very vague, but I was like, well, that's exactly what I would say months after something. I would just be like, what would I normally have done in that situation that I've sort of now forgotten? Yeah. Well, and it never sounded like he was trying to create an alibi, which in my opinion, that's what you're, if you're, I think, you I think are, he did himself no favors in the reverse. If you're guilty, you're trying purpose. to create yourself an alibi. You're trying to put together a timeline and he right. was, he was absolutely all over the place, which to me yeah. leads like he has no clue when any of this happened. Yeah, exactly. Including the murder. Yeah. I, I got the same impression. And I also just remembered I'm sending you on a fool's errand because I didn't post the actual documents. I, yeah, I'm realizing that as I'm They're digging. just my documents. Um, so don't worry about that. Uh, finding those dates. Uh, but we'll look into that, and we'll get okay. uh, get into it later. Okay. Um, but yeah, I got I got the I got this the same impression from him. And again, like people were talking about, you know, the route. Well, he said he went this route and this route and this route. He even says like, I don't know, we would have oh, went. He couldn't this have way. sounded more like. Uh, and then went this way. The one question that 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 Leclerc asked where I was where I really wanted to catch the response was, um, what you know, when he said like, you know how these phones work, they tell us where you're at. So was there any reason your phone will tell you you're up? You were up in pinion. Yeah. And it was a, if, if memory serves his, his response to that was like, oh, no, it'll never, yeah. like, he wasn't, wor- he wasn't worried about that at all. Yeah. When he was like, right. did you go here? And which, when he was talking about which route you took to go home, he's like, I don't know. It shouldn't say I was in Palm Desert. I don't right. know. But when he was like, but will your phone show you? Is there any reason? And Leclerc's doing kind of classic read stuff where he's like, let me give you an out. Is there some yes. other reason? Maybe you would have you would have been up in pinion that day, right. and he's just like, no, nope, yeah, not at all. And I also thought that his his sort of 
candor with these guys was like much gentler than he often is. And I don't know. I don't need to read it. I mean, I don't mean to read anything into it. But he wasn't there at the beginning, and I felt like at the beginning yeah. he was like really nice to Christian. I don't know. This doesn't mean anything. I'm not saying it could that could be his technique where he's mean to Javi, but he thinks Javi's innocent and he's like really nice to Christian who he thinks is guilty. I don't know, but yeah. Well, let's get into these questions. Uh, yeah, let's. Yeah. Real quick, I just want to point out Pamela in the chat said she believes that Robert's records were pulled September 28th. So if that's the case, and I'll wait till if she if she responds in here beyond that. But uh, if that's the, if that's the case, if they just pulled Roberts, and maybe they had Roberts and not Christians. Gotcha. Well, that would make sense then. Like he finally got around to sort of looking back and reviewing those and like starting to wonder if they meant anything or something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Y- thank you so much, Bob, for doing the follow up questions this week. I did not have a chance to reshuffle them. You know, I like to be real type A and try to group them into categories <laughs> and a certain kind of order reflective of the episode itself. Um, so I might jump around a little bit, but um I want to start with Sarah, who says, which individuals were given follow-up interviews in 2006-2007? Were there any of the friends and colleagues of Vicky and John also given a second interview in the aftermath of the murder? I don't think we have second interviews with anybody connected to John and Vicky. I could be wrong about that, but I don't recall coming here. So it was like, at the very beginning, they interviewed some neighbors, they interviewed some co-workers of John's, some co-workers of Vicky's, and then that was the end of that. And then I, I, don't, I don't know what prompted. I think it, it was... Jennifer H., Wants to know what prompted uh, LeClaire to interview Christian four months after the crime. Is that what you're about to say? Yes. Shout out to um, Jennifer. The, the impression I get, because we don't have documentation of that, the impression I get is that he just wanted to get a polygraph. You also hear him talking about Robert not wanting to take a polygraph. I, unless I've missed it, I haven't heard in a report or an interview where that happened. So my my assumption is that maybe he made a call to Robert and talk to his mom or talk to Robert. And Robert said my mom, because it sounded like his mom was involved in that based on what LeClaire was saying here, uh, that maybe Robert declined to take a polygraph. And then, so he decided to go try with Christian to get a polygraph. So I don't know if, you know, if that's what, what prompted it. But as far as the follow-up interviews in 2007, it's all the friend groups. Remember we get like Bo Nash has another interview. There's more interviews. Uh, there's another interview with Claire, I think. Uh, I think there might be two more interviews with Claire because I think one was late, like 2015. There might have been a 2007. Mm-hmm. And then in the fall of 07, they bring Robert and Christian. And that's when they they serve uh, – they get the DNA or the, the DNA result back on the business card. And then they serve search warrants on Robert and Christian's house and they're interviewed. That, and then it seems like things – like after that, they're just like, hmm, I don't know. And then nothing happens after that until mm-hmm. 2014. Okay. Kristen H., this came up uh, moments ago, but Chris was also wondering if we know for sure if John Smith, truly the most generic name in the world. I remember someone commented on on that day one of whenever the first interview was, Mm -hmm. if he actually did sign that consent for the phone records. Yeah, I believe he did. Okay. Uh, And then Sarah G. and Kristen wanted to know who all were asked slash pressured to take a polygraph. Obviously, we know that Jacob and Javi and Robert and Christian, we know that Ron took one uh, and passed. Anybody else that? I think I think you just answered the question. Yeah, because I I was going to say, I know, obviously, we heard like multiple attempts to get Javier to take one, tried to get Jacob to take one, tried to get Austin to take one, Christian, Robert. So all those. And I don't know if there was anybody else that has to take one. What I know, the only person that actually took one. Was Ron Friedley. He's the only one that took and passed a poly. They didn't ask Bo to, I guess. I don't remember. I don't recall seeing that they asked Bo to take one. I think I think they might have. 
with a lot of the interviews, it's mentioned. So I think it might have been mentioned in one of Bo's. Like, yeah, well, one thing we can do is take a polygraph. Would you be willing to do that? You know, I, I feel like maybe that happened in one of Bo's and some other ones. The ones they were really, like, pushing it on was Robert, Christian, Javier, Jacob, Austin uh, to take the polys, and none of them did. Right. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about some of the things that maybe weren't uh, – people felt weren't a great look for Christian in this. Leah C. says, I feel this interview didn't do him any favors at all. Some of the things he said and the way he came across really didn't sound good. Um, and I'm going to just piggyback on the this comment from Georgina, who says, Christian said he talked to Robert because it was important to have the same story. That gets a, drills a little bit deeper down into this idea of him saying some things that maybe don't make him look good. Poor choice of words, uh, question mark, Georgina asks. Yeah, well, like... Uh Either both of you or one of one of you had said like, yeah, he didn't he didn't do himself any favors in this. He didn't mm-hmm. give them an alibi, didn't even attempt to give them an alibi. Just kind of recounted some things. He says uh, that he, you know, that yeah, they spoke and got their story straight. And then that's one of the. I think that's when like his dad comes in and gets interrupted. They don't get really to suss that fully out what he's talking about. Yeah, it's a it, it, it's a it's a bad look, but it's also, you know, it all depends on I guess the lens you're looking at it through. But remember. How so? Here's let me give you a what I think happened that night with these guys, and I I want to I want to be very clear. This is just kind of my gut feeling. What I think this isn't like. Well, there's no proof that this is what happened, but it's also not just based on. Well, I think they're innocent, so they must. It's based on everything else we've looked at, all the reasons why I don't see how they could have even been connected to this crime. So if that's the case, looking at the evidence that we have. Then what would have happened here? This is what I think happened. And it was after I kind of going back through Christian's interview and, and Robert's interview. I think Robert did have plans to hike with Becky that night. Mm-hmm. And Christian didn't know about them. Hmm. I think that the plan for Robert was probably to come home, go up and see Becky. Mm-hmm. And maybe that's that 614 call. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I'm going to go up and see him. Well, then Christian says – I want to, you know, let, let's hang out. Mm-hmm. And I think maybe Robert used church as an excuse to get rid of, oh, well, I got to go to church. So I'm not. Mm. But then Christian says, well, I'll just go with you and then we'll hang out. Mm. You know, so then then Christian picks him up. So now Robert's kind of stuck because he's with Christian. Yeah. They go to the church. The church isn't open, I think. And then Becky starts calling. I think most likely they shut their phones off. Yeah. That they're, they they like she calls him and calls him and calls him. Christian tries to call her back because he's a little he doesn't really know what's going on. Hmm. And then Robert tells him, "Oh, she wants to go on this hike." And I and I think that Robert probably played it down as though like she was bugging him. Yeah. And, and didn't really give the truth about that. Yeah, he planned on going. And he's like, "Ah, oh, she wants me to go up hiking, and I don't mm-hmm. want to go. Just ignore her. I'm going to ignore her. Whatever." Christian tries to call her. She calls him back. And then she just keeps calling. We see those in the call record. I think they just let's shut their their phones off. And then they went about their night. In Robert's interview, which was the next day, Mm -hmm. Robert doesn't think he's being interviewed as a suspect. He contacted the police. Yeah. Because Javier told, you know, they're trying to figure out what happened. Yeah. Javier told him that uh, that he had talked to the police. This is what happened. He know he had the planned hike. So Robert contacts the police, sits down. Thinking he, I think, again, this is just my thoughts. He thinks he's just like helping them fill in blanks for I agree. how the night went. Right. And so he's like, yeah, we had this plan and then we decided not to go and all this. 
And she told me some other guy was going to be there and you guys might not know that and that might be important. Right. Which is a great thing to say if you're guilty and you're trying to throw shade into some nebulous person. It's great to come and present that. Um, But it's also could be an indicator that he's, you know, just like, how can I help? This is crazy. Like, well, and we learned way back that there, in fact, was another person there. Javier said in his interview that she said, yes, you come too," And it wasn't until later that 640 call. Right. After she had already told Robert someone was going to be there. Right. And that was, again, Javier confirmed that he was supposed to be there. Right. So when Robert talked to her at 614. Javier's supposed to be there. She tells him somebody else is coming. So, yeah, he but but I don't think Robert knew it was Javier. He just knew someone else was going to be there. But wasn't there some point at which it seemed clear to Javier that it's I I thought that Becky had said Christian was going to be there. And that was part of why she wanted Javi to be there. Or am I just putting that? Am I just like creating that memory? It seemed like Javi. It seemed like Javi. Javi did know. Javi knew that Christian was supposed to be there. I just don't know if Javi, by the time he was asked about that, I can't remember if he had. Talk to Robert he, or not? Yeah, he talked to Robert way before he talked to the police. He talked to him that morning on multiple Well, occasions. he talked to the police before he, he – his first interview with police, he had not yet talked to Robert, right? I, I think we figured out he had. Really? Because he, we, originally we thought he talked to police at 8.30 in the morning. Then we found out, no, it wasn't until 12.30. Right. And there were calls back and forth to Robert before the that. The chat's going to help us with that because I do not have the call logs in front of me. Yeah. So in any in any case, when Robert is, I think when Robert's doing his interview, he's just giving them information. He's talking about it. I think that he lied in the interview in the fact it, it, it just in the fact that he didn't want to let him know that this person who he's friends with that just got murdered that he was blowing her off. Right. So he doesn't say anything about shutting his phone off or anything. Like that. It does kind of say, yeah, we just decided not to go, but right. doesn't say we shut him off. So then this this getting the stories together. So then ten days pass before Christian gets interviewed, mm-hmm. and of course they talk. My gut feeling is that you know Robert's like, well, don't tell him we shut our phones off because I told him we didn't shut our phones off. Uh-huh. You know, just that we were you know so the, like the the bones of the story are there, but just make sure that you have you you have that that part correct. And uh-huh. because also, if he knows the one time when I caught in this interview where Christian seems to be, he's, he seemed to me to be uncomfortable and tripping up a little bit was about, and he's like, no, I wouldn't have shut my phone up. Maybe Robert did. I don't, I mean, he could have, cause he was tired of calling. Like that was the part where it seemed like there was something not quite right, right with me. But to me, the, the, it's, it's similar to like Ed H where there's like a lie about something that's not connected to the crime that then ends up making him look guilty. Javi calls Robert at 1025. That's what I thought. He, so he called him before he went up the hill. But anyway, so that, that, that to me, that's what I think happened. I think it was as simple as they they shut their phones off because she wouldn't stop calling them and they didn't want to go and they didn't want to deal with it. And I think that's that, that's where we see some conflict in there. That's just kind of how I see things, trying to take all the stuff we have and in a practical way put together how things might have shook, shook out. That makes sense to it. Uli asked in the chat. Uh, which, by the way, I want to shout out Uli and Dylan here in just a second about something else they're doing. Why do I think that Robert wanted to go on the hike? Because it because you can see in the phone interactions, it's not at all one sided. Right. Like it's not it's not like Robert is harassing her about doing. It's not like she's harassing Robert about doing something. There's a pretty even distribution of back and forth between mm-hmm. the two of them, uh, which to me doesn't certainly it doesn't indicate that Robert's like caught up in something he doesn't want to be caught up in. Right. So I'm thinking that, that he probably did want to go on the hike. But also keep in mind that shows there's no conflict there either as far right. as motive. 
Right. There seems to be a, a pretty even back and forth. And just real quick, I have the top of my head. Uli and Dylan Holmes uh, on the family. Dylan is an architect from Australia who uh-huh. works with CAD. And Uli has been doing a fantastic job of um, really breaking down the photos and figuring where things at and all the information about the layout of the house. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of connect, connected them together on mm-hmm. Facebook Messenger and had them work together. So Uli's helping Dylan nice. create a, a 3D CAD model of the house. I haven't looked at it in a couple. I'm in the face the group chat, but I haven't looked at it. But I've looked mm-hmm. at some renditions along the way. It's pretty cool. We just I just want to once they're done with it, um, figure out a way to move it, like put it into video form because it's literally like you can take your mouse and walk through the house and see yeah. how it's laid out. So thank you for that hard work. Um, yeah. Uh, shout out to Mitch, who I think. Uh, I, yeah, I, I, I agree with you, Mitch. Um, I think I think it's possible that Christian did know about the hike. I mean, I, that's only part of your uh, thing that I'm pushing back on is that I just yeah. feel like. He that doesn't mean that he knew for sure it was going to happen, but I feel like he knew that Becky wanted them to go or invited them or I think he did say Saturday. But but in Christian's version, if I'm remembering correctly, uh-huh. I think in, in Christian's version, it was when she stopped by Saturday. Right. She mentioned this hike and she yeah, left yeah. and Robert when Robert was like, we're not going on that hike. Got it. Got it. Got it. So, so it's not, not that he, he didn't, didn't know, know the existence of it. He just didn't know that Robert actually planned on going and wanted to go. Right, right, right. Yeah, right, right, right. This is a classic, and I know this is a very heavy s- stuff, but like it is a classic John Travolta in Greece when he acts like he's not into Sandy, even though he was completely in love with her over the summer. Um, I'm not saying that he was that Robert's in love with uh, Becky. I'm just saying that guys play it cool sometimes, where they're like, "What? No, I don't care." And and Robert had a girlfriend too. Oh, a hundred percent at the time. And again, like I'm not saying any of this is fact. I mean, some of Robert's family members yeah. was like, "Why are you?" But but I'm just I'm just I'm just trying to be as fair as possible and look at like what do I think? Yeah. And, and and I think even that scenario came that I read somebody else put. I'm like that that does make the whole thing make sense if it was like yeah, Robert was planning on just going up there and going on that hike, and then right. Christian wanted to hang out and he couldn't say, "Well, I'm not going because I'm going on the hike," because the night before he was like, "I'm not going on that hike." Right. Sure. Right. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. Uh, shoot, we're going to run out of time and I want to touch on all these. Um, okay. So let's talk about these couple of things as well. Christian's, uh, Kristen says, what do you think about Christian saying he didn't remember turning his phone off when he went paintballing? We've talked about this a little bit. Um, but if that's true and it's not about the conversation that he has with about getting a story straight, quote, quote unquote, um, Kristen does say, I think if you turned your phone off because Becky was bugging you and then you found out she and her family was murdered during the time you had your phone off, you would feel so bad thinking if I just left my phone on, you know, I could have helped. What, you know, how would you ever forget that? Do we know that he turned his phone off or do we just believe he was out of service? Cause I thought, I thought where they went to play paintball was out of service. Yeah. Well, we don't know anything uh, that so the cell phone expert says that area has service, but he never drove back there to check. Um, I've many locals have told me, including, um, of course, you know, obviously there's there's some bias there. But like Robert's mom works at that school and said, still to this day, it's a it's a tough place for service. But they were only playing paintball for like 20 or 30 minutes. So that doesn't account for the entire amount of time that. Their phones were were out of service. But for me, when I listened to that, like, and that's why I say, like, to me, the one place in that interview where I felt I was getting, like, indicators of some deception was about shutting the phone off. He seemed to me uncomfortable mm-hmm. talking about whether they shut the phone off. And yeah. keep in mind, he didn't say we did shut our phones off and he felt uncomfortable. It seemed to me that he was uncomfortable saying that we didn't shut our phones off. 
um, but that's right. reading tea leaves. Uh, no, admittedly. but like there's, you know, Montana and, and folks in the chat are saying like it seemed like he was the most stumbly when it was when he was being asked about not just his own activity, but Roberts, as if mm-hmm. perhaps there was some sort of conversation about like what was the right or wrong thing to say. And again, like, I I know we can't say this is what I would have done. Therefore, it means this, this and this. But we also always compare what we think we would have done. Um, And I have been very open about saying I would have done everything wrong. I fully would have called my friend and been like, "Uh, this is super weird. Um, Like the cops talk to me like I feel really weird about this. Um, I just want to make sure like, we both know what we did that night because if you're you say something wrong and it's not tr- it's a mistake then they're gonna like come you know what i mean i would just like yeah. i would i would i would the, totally the, the, i would so immediately call a friend and be like we better get our story straight and be completely innocent well i think anyone would do that the d- interesting part here is that christian just tells them yeah we talked and got our story straight i know i know it's so it's so guileless I mean, he literally said the words like, didn't he say like, I mean, it was important that we got our story straight. (laughs) And LeClaire isn't even that bothered by it. I mean, LeClaire is like, well, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like he gives again, he's giving him these outs where he's like, and that's not necessarily a bad thing. Like he's I feel like he's giving him the benefit of the doubt that he's like, well, I understand why you guys would want to make sure that like, you know you remembered right or whatever like he's pretty chill about that even um okay so this goes along the lines with that it's about the phones and being turned off um carl says based on christian's statement that they didn't get off work until probably 6 30 due to their suspension and christian having gone home first before going to roberts and then watching tv for a period of time before going paintballing shouldn't we expect to see more cell phone activity on their phone as they should have had cell service at all times before getting close to the paintball location with their activity ending at 717 or so. So that's, again, kind of taking maybe too much to heart about exactly what he says in that interview months later, but it's also a great leaf blower. Um, (laughs) Perfect. Um, Yeah, I think that that what I just explained kind of answers that question. And again, we don't know, but that's that's just kind of my thoughts on it too. And in the YouTube chat, Nicola says, Becky told Javier... The guys were on their way, and she just got ready. If this is not true, why would Becky lie to Javier? Um, well, again, there's there's a lot of things going on there. One, I think Becky may have thought they were coming. If if like if the scenario I just laid out is true, that when Robert spoke with Becky, at if remember you got it pulled up, but I think it was like at six fourteen, they talked for like two and a half minutes. Um, is the only time Robert actually talked to her. Yeah, six fourteen. Six fourteen. Yeah. So if at that point. Now, Christian's not there yet. The trip to church hasn't happened yet. None of that's happened yet. If Robert's like, yeah, I'm going to go, you know, I'll be up there in a little while. And, and you know, whether Christians are coming coming or not, who knows? Um, but then it's later when Becky tells him that, well, if they change their mind. And again, we have. You said, why would Becky lie to Javier? Well, who says she did? Right. Because it why couldn't it be that Javier is either lying about that or Javier has like blended and mixed details? Because because I'll tell you this, and we know this just from his interviews, and we're getting into his trial transcript soon. Like he changes these stories and these details all the time. There's no kind of inconsistency there. So yeah. it, it could just be that he misremembered that because he knows from talking to Robert that Christian was going with Robert. And so in his mind, uh, yeah, Becky said Robert and Christian were coming, and I didn't even have to go look back and look exactly what he said. Mm-hmm. But but that's you know 
it could just be that he knew that and then that be- became the story, not even intentionally lying about it. Right. But they get mixed together. So there's just we're, – we're taking like – it's like, well, I'm going to believe him but not him and believe her but not them. And, you know, there's all these these things and there's just a lot of – certainly room for speculation, which is exactly what I've been doing and a lot of other people are. Yeah. I thought I'm, – I'm having this memory of thinking that we had decided it, it actually seemed very plausible that she thought they were coming. They spoke and then she tried to call Javi again after she blew up Robert and Christian's phones, which would suggest – to me, just to me, that they didn't show up. And she was like, where the fuck are right. you? What's going on? Why aren't you coming? Why did you say you didn't want to come? Or whatever. And then she never gets a chance to tell Javi that because she tries to call him and he doesn't have service. And then, like, they never talk again. I thought that that's sort of well, what we the had timing kind of worked out. So the but. only time anyone spoke to Becky with Robert and Christian was at 614. It's like right. two and a half minutes. Right. Robert talks to her. So say then the plan was to come. Right. So I think she would be expecting him by, like, seven. Right. You know, or so. And then by... You know, during that time period between what seven ten and seven thirties around there is when she starts calling. You know, the, the 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 constant calling to me is a pretty good indicator that by then she had figured out they're not coming. Right. Even then, the, then the call to to Javier was when we hear from Javier, he says, "Yeah, she wanted me to go." Then all of a sudden, she was like, "No, don't come." So they they weren't coming, and then if she figured out they're not coming, it, that call could have even been. Well, I guess they're they're not coming, so or he's not coming, or whatever the case may be. Right. But, but she never was able. She never got a hold of him. She never got a hold of him. Yeah. Uh, okay. Uh, Nicole, speaking of the paintball, Nicole says, "Was the paintball gun collected or examined to see if it was actually jammed or that it even existed? Was the friend ever asked if he gave it to him? That being Sam. Basically, was there ever any follow up aside from the phone records to confirm the paintball story? Uh, they didn't interview Sam until a long time later." And I don't think they even asked it. They thought that he was somehow because he was talking to Robert that night. They thought that he was possibly involved. We had Sam on the show, so we confirmed it. You know, Sam says that right. when he called that night, they were calling him, talking to him about the paintball gun and how it was still jammed up and it wasn't working. Right. And and why you got that pulled up, Zach? What time was the Sam call that night? Do you know which one? Sam to Robert. Uh, it looks like ten o'clock. Unless there's one before that. They actually spoke at some point. Yeah. But yeah, he said, you know, they, they talked and they had said that the paintball there's gun was still jammed. 40 second call at 7.04. That was when they were on their way to church. Okay, we'll move on from that. But um, Sam. 7.06. They talked for two minutes and 30 seconds. Okay. That must have been when they were on their way. So according to Sam, as far as we're looking at, you know, if we're not cherry picking, but looking at the totality of the evidence, Sam tells us they told him that they were going to go check out the paintball gun or whatever it was. And we'll have to go back and, and you're looking at the ones that say Andrew Gayer, right? That's yes. what it's listed under. Yeah. Yeah. So what they, if they said they were trying to go to church, decided not to go to church, they were going to go do paintball instead. They talked to Sam after seven o'clock when that would be when they would be heading up that direction to go use the paintball gun. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so, Jack, I want to point out Jackie's um, question. Do you think Christian's dad seemed like maybe he needed his own validation with law enforcement, uh, venting those details, as we talked about earlier, about the uh, lie detector, um, yelling at Christian to tell the truth in front of the cops, um, that maybe that those exchanges didn't necessarily help Christian either in terms of like how he was coming off. I, I don't know if they, they helped him or hurt him, but I, th- I think his dad was, I, I think he was being genuine. I think he was like, what, you know, they interviewed you once and they're, now they're back. What the fuck is going on? Right. And I think he's being genuine and like, if like you need to tell them if you know something. Yeah. Um, I don't think it, I don't think it was for show or anything like that. I, I don't quite understand exactly what they're getting at with the question, but as far as did it help Christian? I mean, no, I don't think it, I would say neutral. 
from my perspective. Yeah. Sarah says, Leclerc's focus on Robert's church involvement felt like his focus on Javi's sexuality. I think Leclerc didn't believe Robert's claim of devotion to his faith in the way he didn't believe Javi's claim of a platonic relationship with Becky. He's looking for the reasons for what he believes to be a lie. Yeah. I mean, it's the same thing. Yeah. Like, again, I don't think that he's a particularly good investigator. I think he's, that's the difference between an evidence-based investigation and a suspect-driven investigation where I feel like he comes to conclusions and then what we see, and the reason we're also frustrated by his interviews is because the interviews are only to try to confirm his conclusion that he's already drawn rather than just to gather information and learn more and gather and gather more data. Right. Well, and, and I don't know that it matters whether he's that faith-based or not, because he could very well just be appeasing his mother because we know that she's very devout, right? Yeah. So just because he's doing this doesn't necessarily mean, you know, he's, he could be just appeasing his parents. Mm-hmm. And I think Christian even kind of hinted at that yeah. in the mm-hmm. interview. Yeah. Sarah K says, uh, or KM says, I think, I guess this is more hypothetical because we don't know, but Bob said before that LeClaire never seemed to think Robert and Christian were suspects. But then this said this episode, there's a comment that LeClaire thought Christian was covering for Robert. So why he, why didn't he actually do more of an investigation on Robert? Well, I still think that. I mean, I think it was a thought. Obviously, it was a thought in his mind because he had no other leads. He didn't look in the places, in my opinion, that he should have been looking, which is like go to every single house in that neighborhood and talk to everybody, you know, and look for any clues around there. Really focus on everybody, not just Becky, John and Vicky more so. And so I think he's just grasping at straws. And so what happens is, and is as they're walking outside. Christian's dad's talking to LeClaire and he's and, he, and he's like, well, what's the deal? Like, do, do you think he's a suspect? And he goes, no. And he goes, what? And right. Christian's dad suggests, I believe is how it went down. He's like, so what do you think? He's just like covering for Robert or something. And he goes, yeah, may, yeah, maybe or something like that. It was, it wasn't like, this is what I think it was. It was just right. like in that conversation. And I'm sure he thought maybe that was the possibility. Right. Jason uh, says, do we know if Christian's girlfriend was ever pregnant around the time of the murders, presumably in reference to the business card? Not that I know of. Okay, this this is more about kind of what might have happened. But Marion says, I'm still listening nonstop to get caught up. I just finished the Tiffany number two episode, but suddenly I had an idea. Do you think that John was stashing his money in the house somewhere and the perps knew and went there to rob them, got resistance, killed Vicky and John as Becky was coming back into the house just a thought. And I would add to um, that this is a theory that seem, that I think comes up a lot. And that's no shade on Marion. I think a lot of people uh, tend to week to week. I see a lot of comments about that on Facebook, mm-hmm. that there is this sort of pervasive idea that perhaps people knew about cash in the house and that this is a robbery gone wrong. Yeah, I think it's I think it's very possible. Here's the thing, though. We're getting more and more data points as we as we move through this and i'm finding it there's and and we're trying to fill in gaps as far as particularly the last phone call becky makes right phone activity is at 7:37 p.m. and at 9:46 p.m. her body's lit on fire so we got those 2 hours in there and there's been lots and lots of conversation about what that means and what happened in those 2 hours and up there at the crime scene, I think we have enough data points that we really need to focus. I, I don't think there's going to be much use in speculating about exactly what happened in those two hours without any further data points. And this is why. Because you can you can shoot down any theory that because it, it's just a black hole. 
right? Mm-hmm. It's it's just gone. So like you know, I've had conversations on the page uh, the the other day where people were like, "Well, it, it her phone activity stopped at seven thirty seven, so that means the attack must have started then." I'm like, that's not what that means. Could mean that. Could mean a lot of things. We don't even know if the phone activity stopped at seven thirty seven. Right, because we don't see any of your a lot of our outgoing calls are missing. So that's one thing. Even if it did stop, so we say, yeah, it's it's people say, well, it's out of character for Becky to not you know to have that. Lo- she uses her phone a lot all the time, but that doesn't mean it's every minute of every day. There are certainly hours and hours where she's not using it. And so I was like, okay, so is one possibility that the attack started at that point at seven thirty seven? Yeah, is it possible that? Robert and Christian showed up at 737, and that's when they decided they, they left and went on a hike. Yeah. But also, is it possible at 737 her mom said, hey, Becky, will you come down here and help me get dinner ready? Or is it possible that she took a nap? Is it possible she went into the bathroom? Is it possible she went downstairs to complain to her her mom and John about Robert not coming? Is it is it possible she got in her car and went somewhere? All of those things are po- – and there's no – like and you literally cannot assign a value to any of them. It can't be like one's more probable than the other because mm. we all we know, mm-hmm. most likely know, is that she wasn't using the phone after seven thirty seven. That's literally all we know, and there's a million possibilities out there. So so we just look at the the data points. What do we know? We know that the last time she used the phone was at seven thirty seven. We know that John's body was upstairs when the fire started. Not, I'm not, I'm not able to commit on Vicky's about that. Mm-hmm. We know that the fire was started actually quite a bit before Becky's body was lit on fire mm-hmm. at 946. We know that when Becky's body was lit on fire – People had already called 911. The calls start coming into the fire department around 940. Right. She couldn't have been lit on fire till 946, probably, I think, closer to 950 or beyond. Right. So th- those are things that we know. And that was in, in – we were kind of in the pre-show talking a little bit about, you know, like Jim Clemente kind of changing his uh, opinion or, or narrowing his opinion more. One of the big things that was important to him was the realization that we hadn't clicked earlier – was that the house was lit on fire well before Becky was lit on fire. We don't know how far because there's too many unknowns. We don't know if that was a window or – the big thing is where Tim Summerlee saw the fire, was that a window into Becky's room or was it a vent into an attic? If it was a vent into an attic, ceilings are typically hung with 5-8-inch drywall. I look, a listener helped me out with this and I looked it up. 5-8-inch drywall has a one-hour fire rating. It takes a long time hmm. for fire to breach through drywall into an, into an attic. But if it was a window or if there was a break or there was a lot of different factors there. But it was lit for a little bit before Becky's body was burned. And that was why Jim was like, well, if Becky was killed first, she would have been in the house. If she's – and then further conversations I've had with him since then is that you think about it, If she's the tar- – she's the focus. She's the big deal. There's no fucking way that she is the last thing to be handled. Right. That would be the priority, not – Right after the fire's lit, there's fire trucks coming, lights are coming on. It's like, oh, now we got to deal with her. She would be handled first, besides the fact that she should have been inside. So, but we know J- John's upstairs. We know the house was lit on fire first. We know we know where Becky's body was found, and we know at the very earliest at nine forty six was lit on fire. We know that starting at nine forty, all eyes 
Because people keep coming back to, why do you keep saying there was no car at the scene? I don't know that, but this is what I know. It's pitch black up there. Right. There's not a house anywhere around there, and it's a street that only has three houses on it. Right. So there's no reason for traffic up there. And by 940, people are noticing the fire, and they're calling. So now they are focused and looking at the house when her she's lit on fire when the perpetrators flee. There was at least four to five sets of eyes on the house when the perpetrators left, and not one of those people saw a vehicle leave. Could there be some world where one did, and they just all missed it? Sure. Should there have been more follow-up so we would know that for sure by the police? Yes. But those are the facts that we know. And as far as what happened between 737 and 946, in, in what order and, and, and exactly who was moving and why the phone, like we just, we just really can't come to any conclusions right now, right now about that. Right. Uh, from Tracy, why would, and we're going to switch into some hardcore last names here. So let's all remember what everyone's last names are. Tracy says, why would Garcia lie about this? What would be the motivation? He didn't have access to Becky or Robert's phone records. Becky told Javier Garcia that she had spoken with Pape and Smith and that they were on their way to her house, Garcia testified to that fact. Phone records exposed Robert Pape's lies about relationship with Becky. We know that on September 14, 2006, at 1.30 a.m., Pape initiates contact not knowing that Javier Garcia was with Becky. Becky was surprised that Pape was calling. Pape was unaware that Garcia could hear him through the phone and tells Becky, make sure your parents are not home when talking about the hike. Well, there's a lot there in that um a lot of that's not accurate as far as i guess that's the first problem (laughs) uh, it's not entirely accurate but i will tell you this while we're so convinced about what javier said and saw and heard we're going to clear a lot of that up in this week's episode because sunday's main episode in two days i'm going to be covering javier garcia's testimony and you'll see that he doesn't agree with what that question said Make sure you turn it on Sunday when we're going to get into Javier Garcia's trial testimony. And with that, I'm going to go take some pictures with my son for his senior pictures. And we're going to call this a day. Zach, thanks. Janet, thanks. Thank you, guys. YouTube chat. We love most of you. Thanks, everybody in the chat. Bye. Bye. NBI Studios production and is distributed by Wondery. Edited by Kelly Barron's Brink and all music for the show was created by PutThemInASong.com Our follow-up logo was created by me and all of our font across all of our logos and banners were created by Tate Krupa of Red Swan Graphic Design. You can find more of Tate's work on Etsy. Thank you to Katie Ross of CreatedInTandem.com for designing, creating, managing, and maintaining our website, TruthAndJusticePod.com where you can view all photos and documents discussed in every episode. And a big thank you to our transcription team, Pamela Westby, Kathy McElhaney, Kay Woodyomnick, Ginger Viola, Erica Cantor, Danielle Rohr, Jennifer Ford, Courtney Wimberly, and Melissa Cardenas. And as always, thank you to all of you for all of your engagement and support. If you like the show and you'd like to support us, you can do so in several ways. 
financially support the show, the best thing you can do is just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You'll not only be supporting the show, but you'll get something in return. On Patreon, you can pledge as little as $3 a month, and we have reward levels. For just $5 a month, you get access to ad-free versions of all of our episodes and behind-the-scenes bonus video content every week. Then other reward levels include t-shirts, hats, and even the opportunity to co-host one of our Friday follow-up episodes. Just go to patreon.com slash truthandjustice. You can also do us a huge favor by going to iTunes and leaving us a five-star rating and review. And lastly, you can always support us by supporting the brands that sponsor this program. If you have a new case that you'd like us to consider for future seasons, you can submit your cases on our website, truthandjusticepod.com. Just click on the case submission button and fill out the form. And the most important thing that you can do is to engage in our investigations. You can keep in touch with us through our email at theories at truthandjusticepod.com. You can like our Facebook page or join in on the conversation on the Truth and Justice Podcast fans page on Facebook. And for all you tweeters out there, you can connect with us on Twitter at TruthJusticePod. To follow our personal accounts on social media, I can be found in all forms at Bob Ruff Truth. Janet can be found at Janet Varney. And Zach is at Z to the Q. And don't forget that we always have our 24-7 voicemail line open for questions, comments, or tips on our cases. That phone number is 269-224-2833. However you do it, stay engaged, stay in touch. As for now, we're signing off. I'm Bob Ruff. I'm Zach Weaver. And I'm Janet Varney. And this has been Truth and Justice. Kelly, do you need to pee? Oh, okay, she's back. What what do I do wrong? What do I do wrong, Bob? I don't know. Bob's got a heart on. It's 1230. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. Are you going to be the grown-up all of a sudden? <laughs> uh, it is weird. Yeah. I... Uh, this is there it is this is tough and look at that did it work yeah i mean i agree i love to hate bob listen that shit happens all the time